friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 101, Uh-Oh at Disney. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. Uh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-Oh-
Uh, this area formerly housed Pocahontas's meet and greet as well. Uh, staying with kind of the meet and greet theme, looking over to Typhoon Lagoon, um, there is trick or treating and special character meet and greets that has come to Typhoon Lagoon for Halloween. Now that we have some cooler temperatures in Central Florida, not not cool temperatures, but cooler, Disney's Typhoon Lagoon Water Park has remained open. But I don't know if I'd want to be swimming every day, depending on what the weather is. So I do have some special activities happening at the water park for Halloween only. There's trick-or-treating. Guests can visit three different treat stops at Typhoon Lagoon on October 31st and grab some Halloween goodies. Treat stops will be at the park's front entrance, uh, Singapore Sal's, and Safe Harbor. There's an ice cream cone available on Halloween only. It's a special ice cream treat. Uh, and this, it kind of kills me because it's orange Dole Whip. And I feel like that's just, it's spreading too far. I don't like Dole Whip everywhere, but... Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's a sandwich cookie waffle cone and colorful Halloween sprinkles. Uh, there's a Halloween character meet and greet. So it's Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. They are ready to celebrate Halloween near the clock tower and will be posing for pictures in their pirate Halloween costumes, which look pretty cool, actually. And then there's a Halloween craft. Guests who visit Typhoon Lagoon on Halloween can decorate their own uh, mini miniature pumpkin in a special holiday crafting area. So if you're there on Halloween, which I actually will be, maybe... Maybe you go over there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Pete. What are your thoughts? I, I'm not a big water park guy. I mean, you're not. Be honest. You're not going to go to. No, no chance. Gonna... Absolutely no chance. There's. I mean, if you're not, if you're not going to go to Mickey's Not So Scary, which I actually don't recommend on Halloween night. Maybe there's a. Park and if you don't have, it. and if you don't have tickets, you're not getting in anyway at this point because it's sold out. Yeah, I mean, good. I mean, I think Disney Springs. You know, before like 10 p.m. probably would be okay. You know, you, you know, there, there's probably going to be a late Halloween party crowd in Disney Springs that evening. I, I would think, yeah, I would think so. I would think a lot of the, and, and you know, Jelly Rolls will probably have something for Halloween. I, I think a lot of the uh, other bars and restaurants at, at the Springs and at the Boardwalk will have, will have stuff for Halloween. I, I don't go to Typhoon Lagoon for Halloween. I don't go to Typhoon Lagoon, period. Well, we had to, I had to can, let you know can what's you, happening. Can you get alcohol at Typhoon Lagoon? Is that a thing? Or I have no do, idea. Do we know? It's. I don't think I've been there since I've been legal to drink. So I haven't been to Typhoon Lagoon since I've turned 21 either. That's a, uh, that's a long time. S- some other general news. Uh, the Green Bridge that you would drive under to get to Hollywood Studios. and I had, Pete was describing it to me, and somehow I couldn't picture it. But um, it's getting demolished, and Pete feels like that's really significant news because this is one of his favorite bridges at Disney World. And then the last bit of news... We've been on this for a while. Fuel rods have are now being charged by the swap. I, we've mentioned this multiple times. I think we all saw the, the writing on the wall. I'm not going to pretend that we were the first people to, to report this rumor, but it's been out there, and it's happening. $3 per swap now, where historically, if you're not familiar with the fuel rod, it is a external battery pack that you can buy in the Disney World parks, or an airport for that matter, and you can swap it an unlimited amount of times for free which keeps your phone battery charged. You know, you uh, and then you get to take it home. It's not something you have to turn back in. What we have now realized is what Disney has now realized is hey, we can make money on these swaps. People are going to continue to do it. $3 doesn't seem like a lot, but if you have a family of 4 and you're swapping them, you're there 6 days and you're swapping them 3 times a day, I mean then you start you start adding up. So, if Disney's really smart, they'll they'll lower the uh, the battery battery recharging capabilities on them. If they were really smart, I don't think they can do that. And and Fuel Rod still advertises free swaps on their website, so this is a Disney thing, not a Fuel Rod thing. I was say, Obviously, yeah, we can one hundred percent confirm that this is happening at Disney. 
Now, if you see a fuel rod station in an airport, it'll be a free swap. But at Disney, it'll be $3 a swap. And, and look, $3 is not unreasonable. It's, it's instant on-demand power, right? And, and we're so dependent on our cell phones now in the parks and, and just in general that $3 is not that bad. If, they, if you had to buy a new one every time, yeah, that gets, that gets a little ridiculous. But $3, I, I'm okay with it, I guess. Or, or bring your own. Well, Pete, the only other news item, I know they're bringing back Coco for a limited time, right? Yeah, they're bringing back the uh, the Soria Coco show for uh, De, Lo- De Los Muertos at uh, the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot, and this is you know the they have the like Coco puppets. You've seen this before, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about them taking it away, and how we'll talk about that later in the episode. But yeah, yeah, we so talked it, about that. It's it's going to run October thirty first through November second, uh, and it's going to run several times a day. I think. 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, and 4, some, something like that was, was the schedule. But but yeah, Disney did cut this back in September. So it, it'll be back for a limited time uh, at the Mexico Pavilion. So go see it. It's, it's well worth it. All right. Well, with that, let's pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about the Skyliner first because we did have a couple of couple of questions that people had about the Skyliner, about your experience with the Skyliner, and I guess to clarify a couple of points that you made with the uh, with the Skyliner. You know, actually, we had Skyliner questions, and and the, the topic tonight, what we're going to cover was a listener question. You know, because we Pete kind of teased it, and the, and a listener said we'd love to know Pete's, you know, all, all of y'all's opinion on uh, some criticisms for. Some uh oh uh oh us for Disney, but we'll we'll, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the Skyliner. I'll just say by first name or, or by Twitter name. Larry reached out on Twitter and asked, you know, that he had heard Disney Skyliner was a fast mode of transportation, and I mentioned that I thought it was very inefficient. And I think I think there was probably some confusion because I didn't I didn't do a good job of explaining. Uh, so I I apologize on that. The Skyliner itself, you know, getting on it and going on the the cable lines, it is fast. The Skyliner moves very quickly. What I meant by inefficient was if if the purpose of the Skyliner was to go from, to, to transport people from Epcot to Hollywood Studios, Hollywood Studios to Epcot, why don't you have a direct line? You know, why do you have to go to a resort first? That's what I meant th- about the inefficiencies because it does take quite a while to get between the two. I mean, I, I had Disney bus drivers tell us that 
the buses, depending on when you catch them, are definitely faster. But the boat, no matter what, because it's every 15 minutes the boat's coming, is faster than the Skyliners between parks. Well, and not only that, if you're going to Epcot, you're going International Gateway too, right? So if you have any intention of going to Future World at all, you've, you've got a lot of walking to do when you actually get to Epcot at that point. Very, very good point. Yeah. And and so I think I think that's what I meant by inefficient. Like getting on the Skyliner, when you're moving full speed ahead, it's breezy, it's fast, it's awesome. The views are great. You do see some of the construction that's going on, which we're going to talk about in the episode which can be a bit of an eyesore, but it also is a little exciting because you know what's coming. You know, you get interesting angles of the resorts, you know, that, that you see, and they're not as pretty as when you, where, where Disney intends for you to see them. But I think they knew this when they built the Skyliner. It's a, it's a unique mode of transportation. And keep in mind, I was there the weekend where the wreck happened. So the Skyliner was constantly stopping and going. It, one of my issues with that is in the initial Skyliner project, you were supposed to have a moving floor similar to how you had, like if you get on People Mover, you know, it's kind of a, a moving floor. And then if, if there's anyone that needs assistance, they load on a stationary, you know, cart kind of. And that's how the Skyliner was initially supposed to be built. And why you had the constant stopping and going, stopping and going is because they weren't, the, the Disney cast members were doing this incorrectly. And because it was a stationary platform with a moving Skyliner, they were trying to load strollers, people with assistance, anything. They weren't doing the proper way. They weren't loading it on the stationary Skyliner gondola. And that's what that's what I believe actually caused the wreck. I think the constant stopping and going is not the intention of this. And because because when the Skyliners catch the cable, I think it got they got too close to each other. Well, so I mean you look at a, a ski lift at any ski resort, right? Those things don't stop and they can't stop. So, right. so, I mean, obviously Disney's going to figure this out, right? It's Disney. That's what they do. They, they throw money at a problem until it, and until it fixes itself, right? They have to. Because the lawsuits they look at, if you, if you were to put people up there three and a half hours in baking heat, that, that's a problem. Oh, it's a real problem. And, and regardless of how many bottles of water you put in there, I mean, there's no air. There's no airflow at all. And you're sitting up in the Florida heat. Like, what do you do in that situation? What, what do you do if it's... If it's two o'clock in the afternoon and your Skyliner system goes down, that's a big problem. I mean, it's a, and, and, and I'm sure that they've thought about that. Well, you, you would hope that they would have thought about this, but judging from the response to the accident, it doesn't look like they did because it no. took them three hours to clear the line. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and I, was, I was actually told that there was a, in the, I guess the safety kit, I'm trying to figure out what you'd call it, but the emergency kit, I guess, there was something like a cooling pack that would air condition the gondola. That was obviously incorrect. That's not true. And, and there may have been a cooling pack, you know, like a, a first aid kit cooling pack that you you shake and it, and it turns cold, like you would use for a sore muscle or something like that. But I, there's nothing that's going to cool the whole cabin. Right, right. And so I think the, the two issues we have, and we're, we're probably rolling into the episode now. I mean, one, to answer Larry's question, it is a fast-moving very, very unique mode of transportation, but it is not efficient if you're trying to go from Epcot to Hollywood Studios or Hollywood Studios to Epcot. Now, we will be staying at Pop Century. It'll be a really quick way to get back to the hotel. Yeah, if you're staying at one of the resorts, if you're staying at Pop Century, if you're staying at Riviera, if you're staying at Caribbean Beach, I, I think that this is a very quick way to get back to your resort. No question about it. But but yeah, going from park to park, it just seems like you can Uber, you can take a bus. You know, There are more efficient ways to do this. So yeah, I, th- I I think you're right in that, you know, calling this inefficient in that you do have to make multiple stops before you get to your destination. Dude. And and there is a lot of stopping and starting that, that goes on. Yeah. And then obviously our uh-oh at Disney moment is what happened. 
you know, the handling of what happened. Here's my question to you on that. Does the fact that, okay, you know, this, the Skyliner was relatively new and they had this wreck and the system was shut down. People got trapped for several hours. The, 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 I don't want to call it a ride, but the Skyliner was shut down for a couple days afterwards. Does that impact your decision going back? You're staying at Pop Century. Do you question, hey, do we take the Skyliner and run the risk of getting trapped again, or, or do we take the bus? I mean, that's that's got to enter the equation at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, I probably don't question it because we have, what, another month and change to go before that trip. If there's another breakdown, absolutely no chance I'm taking that. But, you, you know, Pete, you asked that. And I think about the time I got, I was over an hour late to Magic Kingdom because I got stuck on the monorail. Do I stop taking the monorail? No. But at least the monorail's air conditioned. But in that case, you didn't have a choice, right? Because you were going from TTC to... I could have taken the ferry boat. You could have taken the ferry boat. You're right. But I mean, you're you're a lot more limited in your choice there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a... Uh, Disney transportation is something we brag about, but they need... They, there's constant issues with the monorail and you create the Skyliner... And right out the gate, you have an issue. And it's not the issue that I think concerned me. It's the handling of it that really bothered me. It's not that I think issues happen. I, it, nothing's perfect. It is just like any other ski lift or any other. It, like, I don't freak out if I get stuck on, on Splash Mountain. Yeah, but Tom, when was the last time you heard somebody getting stuck on a ski lift? It doesn't happen. I mean, I agree. I mean, I hear you there. I hear you there. And you're right. It, you you get stuck on a ride, you get evacuated. I mean, we've we've had it happen before. Hell, you were stuck on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, yeah, the, yeah, for forty five minutes, and you get off, and you weren't in air conditioning, right? I mean, you were undercover, but you weren't air conditioned at that point. But you also weren't in a glass case baking you, right? And I wasn't, and I and I was actually, you know, I wasn't with nine strangers, and you didn't have to go to the bathroom either. I did consider just jumping off into the bushes. But, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Disney's handling the, of this was, I, I think they were in the wrong on this. They didn't address the problem directly. They they beat around the bush. They didn't say what happened. And we still really don't have a, an official, this is what happened from Disney. I mean, no, we don't. But, but they're running smoothly now. I think part of this was cast member error. And we can... We can dive in. You know, that's going to be an uh-oh a topic, too. I mean, Disney not hiring full-time cast members and hiring only college, you know, temps. That's going to be – that's a problem because you have people cutting corners. And they cut corners on how they were loading people. And that's, in my opinion – Disney's not said this. This is Thomas Thomas's opinion. Thomas from Mendu Disney Podcast. I think it was improper management of guest loading that calls this. I don't know that for sure. I wasn't there when – I was there when it happened, but I wasn't on the Skyliner when it happened. So – and and we can we can we can that's enough on the Skyliner. I did really enjoy it. I'll probably will ride it again. But I did want to address when we have questions, guys. We're going to go in in depth with an answer. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that answered what you were asking, Larry. If it didn't, just shoot me another uh, DM on Twitter or tweet at us, either one, and we'll uh, you know we can talk further on it. So so let's roll into our criticisms of Disney. And look, I- let's preface this. Our next yeah. episode will be things Disney's doing very well. We're not Debbie Downers here. I'm going to Disney in five days. No, so. and look, I've been three times this year. Tom's going to go like 12 times this year. This is not a... I mean, we, we still like Disney, but again, we, 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 we criticize it because we love it, right? That's right. So so number one, kind of criticism that, w- that we've come up with, just pricing in general. 
It doesn't matter if you're looking at ticket pricing, hotel pricing, parking pricing at hotels, food, maybe merch to a lesser degree, but annual passes, resort fees, just all of that, just pricing in general. All right, so let's let's go through this and let's pretend that, that you have a family of four that you want to take to Disney World and you want to do it relatively cheap. So let's start from the beginning. Hotel, you're going to stay at a value hotel. You're going to spend $200 a night on your hotel if you stay at a value hotel. Is that fair? So four, four people, five-day trip. So we're at a grand already for hotel. And, and that's with parking. I mean, you have parking fees as well. Uh, we'll we'll discount that for now. We'll add it back in later. So you're okay. at a grand already. All right. Now let's talk about tickets. A five-day ticket. I mean, I think it's fair to say with taxes, you're at about $500 a person. If you get park hopper, all, all that kind of stuff. So that's another two. Yep. So that's another, okay, 550. So that's another, what, $2,500 22, right 2, there? 2200 I think. Okay. So we're at $3,200 already. Now you got to talk about food. How much are you going to realistically spend? I mean, $20 per person per meal? Is that a good budget? I mean, I, or you go dining plan and you're at, what, 70 a person probably per, per day? I, th- I think you're more, I mean. Depends Depends what dining plan you get. So let's call it $100 per person per day. Okay. So that's. It's not two grand. We might be, we might be overshooting it. I, th- I mean, you're, you're 3,500 plus for this trip. So anyway, so you're, you're at a grand for the hotel, say two grand for the tickets. Foods, you've got four people, $400 a day. Yeah, that's $2,000. It's another two grand. So you're at $5,000 already. And that's before you buy any merchandise, anything extra. $5,000 for a family of four to take a five-day vacation. You've still got to get there. So if you fly, you know, whatever. If, if, you're, if you include transportation in that, you're at $7,000, $8,000. You can take a hell of a nice vacation somewhere for $8,000. It's not Disney. And, and we're talking a very basic, minimal vacation you're at Disney ki- you're for You're kicking $8, these numbers around, and I'm sitting here thinking, we've got to be way high. We've got to be sky high on this this idea. I have I have a false sense of reality with this because of the the hotel opportunities we've had, and then the annual passes. But you're right. I mean, Pete, I, I look at the weekend trips. We're 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 a grand in a piece. We and, we definitely are. And I and listen, I think I think this is going to be the underlying deal. Disney's expensive. I don't. I think if you go back to episode one, which I don't encourage you to do. But if you were to go back to episode one, we never, ever backed off the fact that Disney World is a very expensive vacation. And what I, I think 100 episodes ago, we felt like it was unbelievably worth it. And now we're going to walk through some of these criticisms that we think where we're Disney's kind of cutting corners a little bit. And I think we still think it's worth it, obviously. We continue to go. But I'm just, I'm just saying that for a family of four to take a five-day vacation to Disney World... There's a lot of other places. I mean, you could you could spend two weeks in Europe. You know, you, there's a lot of other stuff that you could do for eight eight thousand dollars. You know, to take a family afford to Disney. So if you are going to spend that, and we're talking a very basic trip at Disney, you know, you're not talking about spending eight hundred dollars a night to stay at a Contemporary or a Grand Floridian. You're not talking about one hundred and fifty dollars a person per day to get the deluxe meal plan. You're not talking about a hundred dollars per person per day to do a special event ticket. Like we can get up to fifteen grand really easily, or twenty grand really easily. I mean, I'm I'm speechless listening to you talk about it. I mean, that that is uh, you're right. I mean, you you can take I I think of my honeymoon an all inclusive resort, eating fantastic food, you know, sitting on the beach, much much less expensive, much significantly less expensive for a longer stay. You know, where you were waited on, 
you didn't have to do anything for yourself. I mean, I probably could have got him to come in and put my clothes on for me. But I'm 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 with you. Here's my problem with it is that, you know, the hotels are overpriced. Okay, the food's overpriced. You expect that at a theme park. The merchandise is overpriced. Again, you expect that at a theme park. What what I have a problem with are ticket prices and annual pa- uh, annual pass prices. I think Disney has gone too far with this, and I don't think there is a way that they can walk this back and and save face. So if Disney were to come out tomorrow and say, hey, we're cutting ticket prices by $30 a person, like that just looks terrible. There's there's no realistic way that they could do that and save face. So I think they're kind of stuck right now. So I I think this is a struggle. This is a struggle Disney's in. Their parks are overcrowded. Or they were overcrowded, so they raised ticket prices, thinking we'll continue to make the same profits with less people in the park. And and in Disney's defense, try to improve the guest experience. It is all about the guest. But what happened is these ticket prices ran so many people away that now they're like, oh man, we need to throw some specials out. We need people in the park. We've spent X amount of dollars on Galaxy's Edge, and and he, here's what here's where Disney could have fixed the problem: open a fifth gate, leave ticket prices alone, open a fifth gate. That'll mitigate the crowds. That'll pull some people out of Magic Kingdom. Because Magic Kingdom wasn't built to handle the crowds that, that visit Disney today. It was built to handle crowds in the 70s and 80s. The crowds today, are they overwhelm Magic Kingdom in certain areas. The one place that I always, constantly go to in Magic Kingdom is between Haunted Mansion and It's a Small World. That that area is far too crowded all the time. So so I also look at it from a uh, from a standpoint of when did Disney put these, put these price hikes into place? And Disney has done this. I mean... We've we've we're, we've been coming out of res- of a recession, right? And so we're no longer in a recession. People have a lot more disposable income. So yeah, Disney raised prices, but the parks are still crowded. So I think you're right. I I think that I think they just need more for people to do there because people are coming regardless. Now we get a recession in the next year or two. I don't think there's ever been a better time to go to Disney because the parks are going to be empty. Nobody can afford. You know, if if you're worried about pay, where you're going to pay your rent, people are not going to go down and spend eight grand on Disney World. I that's guarantee a, you that. That's a, that's a good point. But moving on from the pricing, I mean, I, I think that's going to constantly come up in a lot of these things we talk about. Especially one of the things that that comes to my mind when when we look at areas Disney could improve: special events, add-on experiences. Uh, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is one that I know Pete has already looked into. You know, ha- having a daughter and you know, putting putting the numbers together and budgeting for that for a trip in the future. I think of the not so scary, the very merry, the the extra magic or the uh, after hour events rather, the villains party. I'm cool with them. Listen, I know they're expensive. The dessert parties, which which I have openly not been a huge, uh, I've not been a proponent of these, but I don't have kids, so it's I'm looking at it from a different lens. You know, our listeners that do have kids tell me the benefit of it, and I and I listen. It it sounds really good. It sounds probably worth it. But these experiences are very expensive, and if you're going to charge people essentially an extra day's, an extra park ticket, hundred dollars in some cases, you know, seventy to one hundred and twenty bucks, depending on when you go to these events, you can't you can't pack these out. I mean, they they can't be twenty thousand people in Magic Kingdom. That's a, that's a standard day in Magic Kingdom. And and I think about our villains experience where we went and waited in line for Space Mountain, and there was a forty five minute wait for Space Mountain, and this was a three hour long event. You can't have that. And 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 I and again we, we talked about it right after it, but you look at the amount of people that were in the park and then the 
I don't know if you want to call it the janitorial staff. I mean, they 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 didn't they couldn't they didn't have enough staff there to manage the. I mean, there were trash cans legit. You couldn't throw your trash away because so much trash was overflowing all around them. The bathrooms were were pretty gross. And and that's again, that's kind of cutting corners. That's that's Disney looking at the bottom line. And it made it. I, I would say it made kind of a. We had fun, you know. Being Pete and I actually talked about this being an eighteen and up event, and really, you know, really getting Disney to be scary. But again, you're packing so many people in these parks. It's just it, it makes it. You walk away feeling like, man, I, you know, I, I could have. I, I rode. I had shorter wait times during the day today. And and I would argue that there are too many of these events. And here's my reasoning behind this. And it and it it goes hand in hand with the with the pricing. If you're going to charge me $120 to get into Magic Kingdom, and then you're going to tell me, oh, but by the way, you have to leave by seven o'clock because we have this special event that starts. So we're cutting three hours of your day out. That that to me is ridiculous. And and if you want to stay, you've got to pay the full hundred dollars to to get in for the rest of the day. Like that to me is ridiculous. Uh, but I think you've got to realize that planning your trip. I know that I know there's probably a solid thirty percent of people that go to Disney and have no idea these exist. Look, and, and that's that's another point that I want to bring up is Disney requires too much planning. Because you're absolutely right. If I'm going to, into this blind, I think about a buddy of mine that went down to Disney with his wife and daughter. They've never been to Disney before. They don't know anything about Disney. Luckily, they had they had me and a couple other friends to help them. But if they're going in and they're planning a trip and, and they want, hey, we got to go to Magic Kingdom this day. This is when it fits into our schedule. Oh, it closes at seven o'clock. What's going on with that? Like They don't know that. And I'm sure Disney does a lot of guest relations type work around that. I mean, I know I would be absolutely irate if I if I'd saved for a couple of years to take my family of four down, and I have kids who are having the time of their life. It's not about me, right? I I can get over it, but you know, it's that's a a family vacation. I would be absolutely irate. And that is that is the biggest problem that I have with this is that most people that are going down with their families, they're not going every year. You know, we are we are very fortunate to go to Disney as much as we do. A lot of people don't have that same experience. And so for a lot of people, this may be a once every five year or once every 10 year or once every 15 year trip. They don't know all this stuff that's going on. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Now, and, and the other one we mentioned uh, for, for you parents who are on and Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, you know, people primarily think of this as like a princess makeover. You can't actually take, if you have a son, you can do that as well. I, I don't know that it's quite, it's obviously not to the extent of what they do with the, uh, you know, little girls with the princess deal, but you know, Pete. Pete actually has has discovered, and we've mentioned this on the podcast. You can actually bring your own princess dress in. You don't have to buy the one that Disney's pushing, but it's still an expensive experience for a five year old or a three year old, whatever, right? Twelve year old. Same. I mean, same with the dessert parties. All of these are very expensive experiences for what you for what you get. I mean, look at what you get for Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. You get makeup and a dress, and they're going to charge you three hundred dollars for it. I mean, a dessert party, you get a special viewing area, a couple of drinks and some snacks for $79. Here, here's my thing on the dessert party. And and this is based on the feedback we've gotten, that it makes it much more organized. I, I It is hectic to watch Happily Ever After in the middle of Main Street. I could, I, I'm As a grown man, I could not find my wife last time we went, when I went and to get her bo- get us bottles of water. So I can only imagine if you, and, I, and actually, sadly, I saw a woman who had, you know, her, her, they, she had gotten separated from her child and she was, they were trying to find the, the kid. But I, I don't think because, because it sounds like dessert parties are really organized 
and it sounds like it's it's in an area like a confined space. You could probably handle one parent with two kids, and, and maybe 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 the dad and, and the kids go, or the mom and the kids go, and the dad kind of or the, the other the, you know the, the uh, other parent just kind of hangs out right outside of it because I, I think that's a, another way to make it a little more affordable. However, with that being said, it's still I mean seventy plus dollars, and it's just expensive. I mean it 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 really is. And then it's all about what experience are you getting? Are you getting an experience that's worth $240 for a family of four or two, eight, 280, sorry, $280 for a family of four? I don't know. I haven't done the dessert parties. Is your daughter getting an experience that's worth $300 for the parents? And it's hard to put a price tag on that, right? Right. Because I mean, how much is it worth it to, to have your little girl have a good time and to smile and to laugh at You can't put a price tag on that. You can't put a price on that, right? So- and of course, Disney knows that. So of course, they're going to charge you three hundred dollars for it. Well, I, I, while while we're on it, I mean, tiered pricing model that Disney's gone to with ticket prices. You, you know more about it than I do. So if, to just in case we have listeners who aren't aren't familiar with it. So I mean, Disney has three seasons for ticket prices now. It's made things a lot more complicated, maybe than necessary, when you're buying your tickets because. If you buy a ticket, you have to use it within so many days. I mean, I remember the days where you used to buy, you know, 20 days of Disney tickets and you can use it for like three years. They wouldn't expire for like three years. Now it's like, okay, you want a five-day ticket? Well, you only have six days to use it. Or you want to buy a three-day ticket? Well, you have to use it in this four-day window. We we ran into this with my brother-in-law. Remember, Pete, Pete and I were going back and forth on this. And I'll give you the, the scenario. We did a Disney cruise. Two days before the cruise, we we're going to do Disney. Two days after the cruise, we we're going to do Disney. I said, buy a four-day ticket. Well, Disney's really smart because his four-day ticket would have expired before he could use the last two days. So he had to buy two two-day tickets, which not only is more expensive than a, a four-day ticket, but it also messes him up with fast passes. So he couldn't book his, you know, well, it messed our group up, not just him, right? I mean, we, we were trying to, you know, we did everything together. It made it really confusing for my brother-in-law, who does not go to Disney as often as my wife and I do, which is, is that's, it's a user issue, right? It, it's a guest experience issue. And then it, it handicapped him. I mean, it, Disney got, I don't know, 20 extra bucks, 30 extra bucks. So, and I guess the intent here was to level out attendance throughout the year. Has, has that worked in your experience? I mean, look, there are, there are definitely, there, there definitely used to be times when you could go to Disney and nobody was there at all. Right. I mean, there definitely used to be very, very slow seasons and very, very busy seasons. And I think that that has been reduced to an extent. But is charging $20 extra for a ticket doing it? Or is it just that people know, hey, this has always been the slow time at Disney. So this is when I'm going to go. That's a tough question. I mean, so January, February to me, when you say nobody's there, that's what I think of. January, February. But we went in January. and, And granted, it was marathon weekend. But it was crowded. Now, not as crowded as it was in in July or June, but it was still crowded. I, I don't I don't think it's wor- I mean I don't think it's worked. I almost think it's the inverse is how ha- I almost think it's just always crowded now, which makes no sense. But it, but has it reduced the crowds in July in August? Absolutely not. I've never been in a more crowded theme park than all, that the, those two weekends in August. I mean I le- I mean I left. We left. They they had run out of cold. Beverages at Magic Kingdom, bottles of water, cold cold sodas, cold lemon. Like it was the wild, wild west. So this to me just goes back. It's just another way to hike prices for guests. 
not not really uh, not really a way to spread out the attendance at all. So going along with this, and and I think this is something that, and this is kind of a change from from where we've been going. But I think Disney does need to charge for something that they're not. I think they need to start charging for fast passes. If instead of rate continuing to raise ticket prices, I think you separated out the fast passes. You have a normal ticket, and you have a fast pass ticket, or you have a normal ticket. You have a three fast pass ticket or a one ride fast pass ticket, and then you have an unlimited fast pass ticket. What what do they have in Disneyland? Is it called the Max Pass? So fa- they have Fast Pass and they have Fast Pass Max Pass. You can get Fast Passes at Disneyland, but they are paper Fast Passes. They're just like you used to use at Disney World. You have to go to the ride, put in your ticket, and it gives you a Fast Pass. If you buy Fast Pass Max Pass, which I don't remember how much it is, you can use the app to make fast pass times. Can you make unlimited fast passes? I don't both? know. I don't. So I, here, yeah, yeah. I think you can use you can make unlimited, but but I think only one at a time. My understanding is the max pass is kind, kind very similar to what Universal offers, and it's from a general standpoint, it's wild. It's it's wildly successful. But you but you still have to make a fast pass time. It's not like Universal where you, you just, just go and up. get a different line, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so I, I, Pete and I, I feel like if you go back to episode one, we've probably changed our opinion a lot. And I don't know if that's good or bad. It means we're wishy-washy. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I know we talked about, you know, Disney definitely worth it. And in, in episode one, we still feel that way. And we, I think we've stayed fairly consistent on charging for fast passes. Now, I will say that Disney has gotten more expensive since episode one of this podcast. And our point behind Disney, and we actually probably were, we were, we were probably supportive of Disney raising prices to lower crowd levels. But I don't like like he just mentioned. I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily helped. It it is now obviously Disney feels less crowds, so we should feel maybe I don't know because we're, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth here. We're saying that hey Disney's less crowded, but we're also saying that hey this this increased pricing isn't working. And I think what to separate it, the increased pricing isn't working because now you're you're outpricing families, which we don't want. But the park still feels crowded and, and and that's maybe because of the fast pass situation we're in well look if if you're going to disney world again let's go back to to our hypothetical family of four that goes once every 10 years that's going to drop seven thousand dollars on their disney trip okay maybe they don't know what fast pass is maybe mom's done some research and and she books some fast passes but if you if you go to magic kingdom Magic Kingdom is open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So you get 12 hours at Magic Kingdom that day because there's thankfully not a special event. If if you go during a period where, you know, you're looking at an hour and a half wait time for Space Mountain, an hour and a half wait time for Splash Mountain, 60-minute wait for Haunted Mansion, a 45-minute wait for Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, all of a sudden that time starts to add up and you're not you're not doing anything. I mean, but waiting in line. And and that is the single biggest complaint that I get from people that go to Disney that don't know what they're doing is all we did was stand in line all day. And the lines are longer. Objectively, this is not my opinion. This is objectively. Lines are longer. Wait times are longer because of fast passes. Fact. That is factual. You look at Smuggler's Run and people say it's not successful. That's not true. There's no fast pass. We, we have ridden Flight of Passage at times when there was no fast pass available. The line steadily moves. Doesn't ever stop. If you charge for fast passes, you limit the amount of people who are going to have them. In turn, you improve the overall guest experience. Is that is that what you're suggesting? That's exactly what I'm suggesting. That that'd be a if it is if it is worth it to you, if your intent is to go to Disney World 
and ride all the rides, which for somebody that goes every 10 years, 15 years, that's probably your intent. Somebody like you, somebody like me, we may have different things that we want to do at the parks. You know, we may want to go to a lounge, whatever. We have different things we want to do at the park. So maybe that's not our goal. I mean, I'll still pay for FastPass, obviously, but but it, but a family like that, they're going to pay for that. Whereas, you know, if you're a local, you're just going in for the day. Are you going to pay for FastPass for that day? Probably not, right? That's so, a fair point. That is a fair point. Now, our locals that listen won't will hate this idea they're, because they already feel like that reservations, for example, don't cater to locals because we're making reservations 180 days out. They're not available on the daily. So Disney's trying, they're trying to feed two different dragons here. It, it is. And the annual pass holders are very important to Disney. I'm not debating that at all. But I don't have much sympathy for a Florida resident who's paying $500 for their Disney ticket when that's how much, I, you know, that's good all year when that's how much I spend for, for a ticket for one trip. Listen, and, and we have we have listeners that I know are in Florida. We can track the states who listen to us in. But we are also have people that tell us they like they like our podcast because we're not the daily Disney person. We we're, we don't live there, so we can't go all the time. So we have the lens that fits ninety percent of the people that visit Disney probably. <laughs> now, mo- it, unless you have anything else to say, I mean, I think we've hit the the fast pass. Th- this is something that is it makes sense. It's a good segue in my opinion. We're taught we address the people that go to Disney a couple times a year. Like that that's what we fall in. We we've been unbelievably fortunate and spoiled lately. But in a t- in a typical day in the life of Pete and Tom, we're going to Disney once a year, tops, maybe twice. This podcast makes us go more. That that's what we tell our wives. The podcast, we have to go for for research. But too much construction's going on at once at Disney and this is going to sound hypocritical because we have said Disney needs to catch up. I think a fifth gate would have been a better option or or I think uh you know what you did in Hollywood Studios, for example, when you shouldn't have closed Great Movie Ride when you did, and th- and I worry that I, I preach Disney. I think it's the, one of the best vacations you can take. But I'm I, I go on a trip in five days with people who don't go to Disney very often, and I'm really nervous for their opinion of Epcot because Epcot's been torn to shreds. It is not Epcot. Let's take a walk down memory lane here. Let's go back to 2010 when Universal Studios opened the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And, and this was unlike anything that anybody had ever seen at the time, right? This was a very faithful recreation of Harry Potter, you know, from the, from the movies. Universal did a fantastic job on this. Disney all of a sudden looked at themselves and said, wow, we don't have anything like this. What are we going to do? And if there's one thing that I know about Disney, Disney hates to lose. Disney actually hates to compete. They just prefer to kick everybody else out so that they're in this space by themselves. But... All of a sudden, they're they're playing second fiddle to Universal, right? So, they've got to they've got to start spending all this money all at once. So you saw it with, which to their credit they have done. To no, their credit, they definitely have they done. They came it. to play, but at, that was after the Eisner years of constant neglect of the theme parks. Because Tom, you think about Disney in the early two thousands, kind of the state that Disney World was in. I mean, what had changed in twenty years? Not a whole lot, right? We didn't get. We weren't getting Pandora, the World of Avatar. We weren't getting Star Wars Land. Like that stuff wasn't happening when Eisner was a CEO. So Disney has definitely spent some money, but they're still playing catch up. And and Pandora was a was a great first start. I think Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is phenomenal. I mean, you guys have heard us talk about how how well we think Disney did with with Galaxy's Edge. 
But I think it, it feels to me like they're still playing catch up. And in order to do that, they've got a lot of stuff closed at once. And yeah, Epcot is a mess right now. You can't even find a bathroom in Future World because there's so many dang construction walls up. Yeah, I do think Disney's playing catch-up, and, and this will probably be on our next episode of Things Disney's Doing Well. They're spending money to do it. They're investing. They're reinvesting in the parks. But it does make for a – like if someone were to – I have a, a friend who's an employee at Disney. I'll, I'll put it this way. He's a listener of the podcast. He told me he's just he, – he only came to Epcot because we were there. He's like, man, I just avoid it. I'm avoiding it until like 2021. Like I, I just – because it's – it's a shell of itself. It's it's inconvenient, one, walking around everything. And the World Showcase sightlines are still pretty good, but Future World's in shambles, the entrance to Epcot's in shambles. It just doesn't look like Epcot looks. And if someone were telling me, hey, I'm, I'm taking my one trip in five years, I would say hold off until 2021, 2022, if you can. You know, if, if you can, or maybe take another vacation and then circle back and do Disney then. Because... They are reinvesting in their parks. Now, 2022, Universal's, they need to look out because Disney's going to be the absolute real deal with what they're bringing in. Right now, it is a lot of construction at once. While I, while I credit them for investing in the parks, I do hate that they didn't have the vision to do this sooner and do this in a more organized manner. I know some people will say, well, if you look at their timeline, they, they kind of hit one park at a time. That's great. But wouldn't it have been greater if they added a fifth gate Then they did this? I mean, a fifth gate that interrupts nobody. They could have been working on since 20, 2015, 2016. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, they, there's, they have the land to do it. We all want to see it. You want to talk about getting back on the map? And not that they need help being on the map, but you know what I'm saying. You want to talk about being a game changer? Open a fifth gate with five lands and watch how Magic Kingdom begins to empty out a little bit. Those, those crowds will always come back to Magic Kingdom. But if you need to do construction and you need a place to put people, open a fifth gate. I agree. Another thing we've talked about, and I don't know if we need to belabor the point, but it still it still obviously resonates with Pete because this is someone he added. The World Showcase has become a uh, football a, tailgate a, party, a drunk fest. I mean, that's all it is, and it's. I don't know what Disney can do to police this. I don't. I don't know. Again, this is a recent development. It wasn't like this ten years ago. Hell, it might not have been like this five years ago, but. And, and I, again, I don't know what Disney can do to police this, so we'll kind of leave it at that. But there are a lot of people who are overserved at Epcot. Does Disney need to give training to people, to their to their cast members to notice or to recognize, hey, this person may be overserved. Maybe they don't need to drink anymore. I, I don't know. But Pete, tra- training would require not hiring only college program students. And hiring full-time Disney employees that have benefits and investment and, and a general investment in Disney. That, that's what and that would require. I, I agree. At age 21, I would I what would I even know? I mean, at age 21, you think it's funny when somebody gets really drunk. So, sure, you want another beer or another liquor beverage, margarita, whatever it may be. The only thing I can the only thing I could propose, and this would probably fall into prices, is you just you you lower the volume of each drink. Half a beer instead of a full beer. Pre-mixed liquor drinks instead of actually mixing liquor. I, I mean, I think of Joy of Tea. The Tipsy Ducks and Love is my favorite drink. It is not It is not a, a light beverage. I mean, they, they pour it on. I mean, you watch them. They, they, they leave you a floater on top. It, it's, a, uh, it, it's, it's a strong drink, and, and that's maybe part of the issue. But how do you stop people from going around twice? I, I mean, I, or, or visiting a country and getting three drinks at a time. I don't know. 
I don't know. Another thing, and this still comes surprising for me, we've talked about Disney's dialing back entertainment. How are you going to dial back entertainment when you're raising the price? How are you going to negatively impact the guest experience when you're charging the guests more to be there? Makes no sense to me. Yep. And we just talked about the uh, the Coco show in Mexico that was cut. I mean, there's a lot of live entertainment that gets cut. We, we shouldn't even have to come on here and say Coco's back. That's ridiculous to me. It, it just makes it makes everything feel less alive, and, and, and it feels like there's less to do. You know, it starts to feel more like, hey, we're going to an amusement park. We're going to a Six Flags where there's none of this stuff. All it is is rides. And and one that I added that, that Pete would probably disagree with me, I think the My Disney Experience app is becoming more difficult to use. And I, I don't know if it's because we have a lot of trips planned, which is like first, you know, not a problem, or if it's because I'm having to use it more often, or if it's because... I can't add a frame without the app closing down. That's driving me crazy right now. But it's and Disney has the genie coming out. I don't know if that's the fix all. I don't. I probably it probably isn't. Well, you've already got a bad experience with my Disney experience. Like, why are you gonna put the genie in there? Like, yeah, I would. I would probably say. <laughs> why would you think they're gonna do any better with the genie than they do with my Disney experience? I would say spend more money on my Disney experience. Like, if you. And people, you know, like the Magic Bands, for example, they're really cool. They're a great cash grab for Disney, aside from the fact that they now they can track you and know where you're going and know kind of what guests like to do in the parks. They are very functional, the Magic Bands. Hotel room key, if you're staying on property, credit card, uh, entrance to the park. They look cool. Fast pass, uh, touch touch points. There's nothing that that I think is a negative from these. It, be, it beats the heck out of carrying the, the key to the world or, or a, uh, you know, you like your Disney park ticket, but the app itself has become e- either people have gotten better at using it. So it's slower or it's getting worse. I don't know which one, maybe we've given out too many, my Disney experience t- uh, trips and tips and tricks, but that that's just my opinion. And, and you know, I, like I said, we're going to have a positive episode about Disney that this was our, a listener asked, well, what are you guys inferring when you say Disney Disney has some some areas of opportunity? This is what we what comes to mind for us. And there's probably more, but we, we have to we have to cap Pete's negativity for the day. We can't let him run wild on this thing. And I'll end it by saying we both really love Disney. Obviously, we do a Disney podcast, right? Like this is we still go three, four, five, Tom, what are you up to? 12, 15, 17 times a year now. So spoil, absolutely spoiled rotten is what I'm up to, Pete. And I don't want to call this nitpicky stuff because it's not. This is big stuff, but I want people to go to Disney and have a good time. That's Look, that's the intention of this podcast, right, is to help people have a better time at Disney. So if Disney would just fix these things, I think people would have a lot better time. Or if Disney, yeah, if they, if they listen to the podcast, shout out Disney, still love you. If you want to take us down for a few free trips, we'll do that as well. <laughs> but no, I mean, on, on a on a... I'm kind of joking, but on a serious note, yeah, I echo what Pete says. We love Disney. There's a reason where that Pete's already trying to finagle another trip. I mean, he's trying to figure out when he could go. We we just we, we try to shoot you straight. That's the, that's the idea of this podcast is to give our opinion unfiltered. I mean, we're, we're going to tell you how we feel, and you know, while while we don't even have a full page of of Disney opportunities or challenges, we could probably fill up a book of things Disney does well. And that'll be next episode. We'll, we'll dive into some things that we think Disney's doing really well. All right. So secret and trivial this week. What do we got? Uh, secret of the week. We get to talk about Michael Eisner, actually, which is funny. Pete doesn't even know the secret, but 
He was he was referencing Eisner earlier. So did you know the real reason photos are taken during the drop on Splash Mountain is because former CEO Michael Eisner liked his own photo so much. After someone took his picture during the ride's plummet, he wanted other guests to be able to share in that experience as well for purchase, of course, and had the Imagineers install the photo setup that exists there today. So that's kind of neat, actually. Now, again, bottom line, Disney. But in a serious note, we have some unbelievable family photos. My wife and I with Annual Pass have the, the photo pass I guess it comes with it, right? So we have saved a lot of our photos from our trips, and we 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 go out of our way to find PhotoPass photographers. And before I mention it, one more thing: get rid of the PhotoPass boxes. We need PhotoPass photographers. We don't need the 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 box that doesn't give a good experience. Moving on to the trivia question of last week and the trivia question of this week. While ser- tr- uh, last week's trivia question, while searching for Maximus Hooves prints, why not look for Rapunzel's sidekick too? Where can you find her, find her sidekick, Pascal? So he is hidden all in the tangled area. Uh, I think there's 10 total areas you can find him. That's fun activity. If you have a little one that just kind of wants to run around and act crazy or you need a break and you need to sit down, you can look around. Uh, he, you know, He's around the tower of Rapunzel's area. Moving to the trivia question of this week. How many hidden Mickeys are in the final scene of the Carousel of Progress? And in what form is each Mickey? Like for these examples. So, you know, sometimes you have a hidden Mickey that may be a rock formation, or sometimes you have a hidden Mickey that could be, you know, someone tied in a boat and it's the excess boat rope. So what form are these hidden Mickeys found and how many are there in the final scene of the carousel progress? You can tweet us at mendo WW podcast or email us at mendo WW at gmail.com with your guesses. And we look forward to everyone participating. All right. Anything else? That is it for me. We love Disney. That's the last thing I have to say. All right. Well, that's all for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at MendoWDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at MendoWDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.